Hey guys, in this week's episode, I sit down with Hannah Grothusen yet again for another episode talking about the re-commerce industry. Uh, we'll talk about brands such as The Real Real and Depop and how they're pioneering the digital resale industry, as well as a small case study about The Real Real's recent collaboration with Gucci. Feel free to keep listening. So to start, um, I just kind of call it buying secondhand or like I just refer to each secondhand site as like the app that I refer to it as like Poshmark, Depop, The Real Real. Um, but I ended up sitting down to watch um, the business of fashion does something called Voices every year. And it's it's like the TED Talk of fashion. Ooh, that's they host cool. a, it's really cool. Um, and they have a lot of great speakers. That's where I first learned about um, Serena Williams and her brand. They did a really good um, oh, wow. talk with her. But they sat down with the CEO of Depop and the chief of marketing, I want to say, from Vestiaire Collective. So okay. they sat down with them. I don't know what that one is, but yes. <laughs> it's basically, so it was just purchased by Caring, which if we'll talk, actually, I think that's an, an upcoming episode. There's LVMH and there's Caring, and they own all the houses underneath them. So Louis Vuitton, Gucci, it's basically the two of them. Um, okay. But Caring just purchased Vestiaire Collective, and Vestiaire Collective is essentially like luxury resale. Okay. Resale, but for rich people. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> So when they were talking to them at this voices thing, um, they kept referring to it as re-commerce and I'd never heard that before. Um, so it's sort of the more developed businessy term, but, um, it's the Mm re-commerce industry. Um, and some of the ways that they, uh, spoke about it and just like a little precursor to the episode, it's expected to be a $25 billion industry by 2025. Um, whoa insane but good like good insane yeah um wait but that doesn't include or does it include when you might get to this later like thrift stores or is it just it doesn't it doesn't include that well so it doesn't include like salvation army and goodwill but it Mm -hmm. would include like a curated la rodeo drive like they don't call them thrift stores they're like consignment stores it does include them like it includes a plato's closet type thing okay it does include those, um, but not like a Goodwill Salvation Army, like for charity um, type of Got e-commerce it. brand. Okay. So um, like physical and like virtual. And markets. online. Yeah, definitely. A hundred percent. And they noted the rise of it um, because people are becoming more aware that a less single use disposable economy is the answer. Um, the CEO of Depop me- like mentioned um, and they're, both of them agree that their goal is to turn the everyday consumer into a reseller because it means this industry will keep going in the direction it's going to reaching that $25 billion um, cap by 2025. Um, any questions? Not off the top of my head. I'm just curious to learn more about how they can reach, like when did this start to get to a $25 billion industry like how long did that take? Because all of these seem relatively new, but also I don't know a lot about them. So they could just be new to me. Yeah, so we'll get a little bit into that. And I think when we talk about Depop, it is more apparent that every single one comes from such a different start. Um, some start brick and mortar, some start app, some start web. Um, and then they eventually get all of those 
like factors, Mm -hmm. but the one they start with determines like how they grow. It's very interesting. We'll get into it when we talk about Depop because I didn't realize how Depop started. And now as a Depop user, I understand the function of the platform more knowing that it started the way it did. So we'll get into that, but um, I figured I would write down a few tidbits about um, what drives re-commerce, honestly. And it's the apparent consumer behavior shift towards secondhand. Um, I think Mm -hmm. that's something like, even though you might not shop secondhand, which I don't think you shop secondhand. I don't want to put those words in your mouth. Jump in and correct me if I'm wrong, but. No, I would say that's very right. And we can talk about it later, like, or later in the segment of why I find it difficult. But I also think I don't shop in general. Like I I was going to say, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I will wait for clothes to come to me. I will, yeah, it, like when I shop, it's like out of pure necessity. And I find myself like squeezed in between this place of, I get so frustrated with like these online, like sec- re-commerce because it just takes so much effort. But then I yeah. feel so guilty buying something first, like not secondhand that I just won't buy anything. I know. <laughs> A little background. Um Grow Grow, I refer to Hannah Grothlison as, she and I lived together um, this past fall and she saw my consumer behavior choices, um, which I did buy clothing while we were up there, but it was all secondhand. So, mm-hmm. and while we were up there, she did not buy a single piece of clothing. So yeah, <laughs> I think it's just, I, just... I don't think you're necessarily the standard like consumer or the target consumer for like, honestly, even like target, like you are. <laughs> I don't even know where I get my clothes. Like I get them like gifts, like people, like birthdays, Christmas, I'll get clothes there or I'll only really shop because I feel, I don't know, like so guilty now that I know all the things I do about uh, like how much like resources, water go into making clothing that I get really scared to buy anything like from a a physical store. Yeah. But I think I used to in high school, like, I don't know if you know this about me, like, I shop frequently, mostly at, like, stores like Free People, Anthropology, Anthropology, definitely. When you tried to dress like Jessica Day as a 16-year-old, yeah, I remember that piece. Yeah, J. Crew loved it, like, (laughs) but now, and I still do, Bowdoin, Madewell, like, yeah, Yeah. love that style. (laughs) We have very different styles. But I, I haven't bought anything from any of them in so long yeah. because I am now so aware, like, self-aware. Yeah. And it's, I was talking about it with Kendra a bit in um, the episode I did with her. And we just talked a lot about like the guilt that like a conscious consumer feels. And even like a, like you as just like a standard consumer, the guilt that you feel when you purchase from those places makes you not purchase which mm-hmm. in my mind, that's not bad guilt, but yeah. sometimes it can get to be a lot. Like I'm going <laughs> to, fair warning, I'm going to read you some facts like yeah. about textiles, but um, it, it can get overwhelming. And like some people do just opt to not shop rather than seek out secondhand, but we'll get yeah. into that in a little bit. And I, just like another factor that I was thinking about the other day is like, I want a new pair of jeans. So I'm going to think about this for like a couple weeks probably and then probably decide to buy nothing but it will be 
not in the forefront of my mind, but it'll come up over the next couple of weeks. I'll just think about it. And so right now I'm in the stage where if I buy a pair of jeans, I want them to be long. But if I go on to Poshmark, like I was playing around last night, it's like impossible to find long jeans. But we will talk about that because I've I've been on there since 2016. I've been on Poshmark for a long, no, earlier, like 2015, 2014. I've been there for a long time. And because of that, I think I know how to navigate it extremely fast and efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to give like my tips and tricks at the end. Okay. But, like, um, I need those. And I'll you for you. Yeah. Long oh. jeans. Yeah. I, I got you. So <laughs> sidetrack there. What drives e-commerce? The first one, consumer behavior and the shift towards secondhand. Um, I feel like that's pretty apparent. I My thing on TikTok is like always full of like either I bought this on Depop, check out this Depop seller. I thrifted this, watch me thrift flip this. Like there's a lot Mm -hmm. of reduce, reuse, recycle in there. Um, It's slowly becoming more accessible. So through these apps, websites, even brick and mortars that are popping up in small towns because it's just becoming more mainstream um, and it is price sensitive. So thrifting tends to be less than the uh, like in-store price of a product. And even if it's just a little bit worn, someone bought the wrong size. That's like my favorite. People buy the wrong size and just knock 50% off. Um, So benefits everyone. And lastly, the accessibility of these online platforms, which you talked about. So there's just more choice all around. You can obviously go on like Nordstrom's website and get a bunch of different brands, but like you can go on Poshmark and get way more brands than Nordstrom can offer um, all at like your fingertips. So what is the point of going to Nordstrom anymore? If you have that at your fingertips. But it's less overwhelming. Basically, everyone listening, don't go. (laughs) But there's less brands. And so that makes it easier. Like, I want less options. (laughs) I want to be overwhelmed. I don't think you understand. I love the stimulation of secondhand shopping. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay, then. (laughs) We'll we'll talk more about, I'll give you tips. I I don't want to stress you out with this stuff, but um, we're going to get into textile waste. So prepare yourself. Um, and I have some facts before we start. I a pair of jeans. <laughs> I just I won't even have to think about it. I'm not going to wear pants. Um, before we talk about the two um, secondhand sites that I chose to do a little deeper dive, like a case study almost into, um, mm-hmm. I just wanted to highlight, because I know we talk about textile waste and how bad it is in the past couple episodes, but I want to actually highlight some stuff about like American consumer practices and how detrimental it is. So Americans alone, this made me tweak americans alone throw away 14 million tons of clothing per year and throw away like into the trash to the landfill which makes up for six percent of the waste that we throw away and as if like six percent of a landfill is clothing are you serious yeah i can't even remember last time i threw away a piece of my clothing like at the very least i ship it I've, I've shipped all my shoes this summer. Obviously not all of them. Shoes I didn't wear anymore. I shipped them to Nike. Even if they're not Nike brand, you can ship shoes to Nike and they turn it into turf. Like That's cool. And I would have thrown the, like, I guess I would have thrown those away. But like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think I just, my family, like, we will just have like a collective pile of stuff we're getting rid of. And it'll just go to Goodwill. But I don't know if they then pick through those things and say, we actually don't want these and then throw it out, but I can't remember. They, they don't. They, Goodwill's, Goodwill and Salvation Army, those type of ones are 
pretty good. So if they see something that's like beyond like soiled, it'll get turned into like rags or it'll get donated to somewhere. Like sometimes like dog shelters will take like textiles for stuff mm-hmm. um, or places that have like mass washers. Um, yeah. We'll take it and they'll launder it and at least do something with it. They don't throw out a Goodwill okay. um, or some source they donate somewhere else, like homeless shelters mm-hmm. if it's not like completely soiled, but they're pretty good about it um oh this one's painful <laughs> it takes 2700 liters of water to make one cotton t-shirt i hate yeah. that i yeah. hate that so much that is unbelievable to me that one hit like, different as i was sitting here in a cotton t-shirt reading it i was like oh yeah <laughs> and it's a t-shirt it's like not even something it's not even that complicated wow yeah and most of the time like that's a white cotton t-shirt that's not being dyed like dyeing way more water yeah and think about how like accessible and disposable we treat cotton t-shirts mm-hmm. like you but go to a 5k like, cotton think t-shirt about, i was gonna say think about dickinson today during my tour guide shift i had to pick up 15 boxes of t-shirts that didn't get like taken during move-in that's like mm-hmm. thousands of t-shirts in those boxes mm-hmm. so much water <laughs> so much water it's not it's not all like full 100% like waste like they don't Mm -hmm. make a t-shirt and like it gets put somewhere else or pumped back into the ocean like they obviously have practices that reuse stuff but that's still Still. a lot of of, yeah yeah um textiles can take up to 200 plus years to decompose in landfills oh yeah okay yep and 84% of clothing ends up in a landfill or an incinerator. Like, wait. Like, at the end of, like, time, like, I guess, like, obviously it was secondhand, yeah, but, like, how, like, how much longer is someone going to resell it? Like, if you resell it to someone who wears it for three years and they're like, I got my wear out of this, I bought it secondhand, I did good that still mm-hmm. ends up in a landfill or an incinerator like yeah. yeah yeah wow sad wow so here's some things to to brighten your mood we're going to talk about two apps that i think are game changers in the second hand the re-commerce world um i'll tell you a little bit about why and then i'll help you with poshmark at the end okay um so the first is Depop, and I took a lot of this from the the Voices talk with their CEO. Um, and the way she described it is it's a social marketplace. They're treating it more as like a social media app um, before it's mm-hmm. like a selling app. Um, and the reason for this, and I had no idea, is it was actually an app before it was a website. So it was mobile first. Okay. Which is that makes super sense. Hard to come by, I guess. Like you, you see things like Uber and Lyft, but like those are they're meant to be like travel that you're not meant mm-hmm. to be on a desktop really calling an uber um whereas this you would think started as a website because in reality when you think about a shopper you're not going to think about them shopping like on a bus plane blah 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 you think about someone sitting down taking time and like shopping mm-hmm. um so they technically but that makes sense no go ahead you're good. it's like <laughs> format like you know i've only ever used it on a website and I didn't even buy anything so like I but the way it is set up the like interface resembles social media it does and like the use of so 
one, never use the Depop website. Like God bless Depop. I buy their, I buy from there all the time, but their website is not good. <laughs> their app, their app is super thought out. Um, it works really well. Um, but when you're listing on there, you have options to like use hashtags the same oh, way wow. you use social media. So you have up to five hashtags you can use per item and hashtags like you could either hashtag the brand is or you could be like Y2K, which is like a trend right now. People are like wearing Y2K things. So you can hashtag what style it is and then people can go to the hashtag and look at everything hashtag underneath it. Um, they have like communities of like certain thrift styles. Like it's very much a social media online community is what I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was really cool. 90% of Depop users are under the age of 26 and they have 23 million users whoa which right in there with the social media thing like it yeah makes sense it's really cool to read that though yeah yeah and then the last piece about them that I thoroughly enjoy is they actually don't consider themselves a sustainable company which is a little bit of a shocker when I first read it but then I was reading why and I was like yeah that actually makes sense so they say Mm -hmm. because they don't create inventory or like a specific product they like don't consider themselves to be sustainable. They just are a platform that like people use and it can be sustainable. So, cause they don't have a specific product. They don't consider mm-hmm. themselves that. Um, yeah. They just promote the product circularity. Um, and they also said they remove the stigma of secondhand. Um, they're more serving as like a example, a first step. Um, they also like people will make a living off of Depop selling things. Um, <laughs> it's almost like has some Etsy to it as well. So people can like make rings and things and sell them on there. Um, yeah, that's basically all I have for Diva. Do you have any questions about it? Um, this might be like a really technical question because I was looking for a pair of jeans last night. Um, (laughs) market research. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I go in and I put what I want and then I put my size but then it shows me things that were not my size. Like it gives me like a thousand options and some of them are just not my size. I'm like, any thoughts on that? The, the desktop version of Depop, I don't think is that good. Like you can't really narrow down that well, what you want. Um, whereas on the app, I like to use the filters and like the price scale and things like that. I think it's like way easier on the app. Um, okay, maybe I need to get into that. No. 100% get into the app it's the way to go and the second and last um I guess re-commerce site that I want to talk about is the real real um which I've bought one thing from them I think I don't frequently go on it but I think they're a good bridge between the luxury industry and secondhand because there's been a long history of distrust there's been lawsuits um all things like that. So basically a couple years ago, the real real got called out for not successfully authenticating every single one of their products. Like people were receiving extremely good fakes. And the problem was like the real real wasn't even catching it. Like they were just that good. It's not that they were trying mm-hmm. to sell people fakes. They just weren't catching it. Um, Is so, there set up the same where like, say I have a designer bag and I'm done with it. I would list it. No. So uh, 
thank you for that question. Um, <laughs> so no, it's a little different than Depop. Depop, it's the seller listing the item and then in charge of shipping it. A lot of times you can go with shipping through the site, which is what I enjoy. So you'll get a prepaid shipping label. You don't even mm-hmm. have to worry about paying for the shipping yourself. Um, whereas the real real, you would ship your item to them. And then from then on, like they would send you the money and it's up to them to list it and sell it on the real. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you ship it to them, they authenticate it then. And there were people that were shipping. So it was like pass, literally passing through their hands and they weren't catching these fakes. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Like it wasn't individual sellers selling fakes. Like uh, those other apps have to deal with that as well, but it's, it's more out of their hands. Like, sorry, Mm -hmm. like we had a seller sell a fake, but like you bought a fake. Whereas this one, they guarantee authentic and a couple years ago, people were getting pretty upset. Um, so recently, um, in this past October of 2020, um, I don't even remember if I told you about this in the fall, but they partnered with Gucci, which was like, jaws hit the floor. Um, so (laughs) they announced it on, on October 5th, 2020, which was actually national consignment day. So it was part of that whole festivity. Um, And again, like I said before with Depop, they just were promoting the circularity in luxury fashion, which isn't normally like something people are comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. For each purchase, a tree was planted through one tree planted. And to date, the consignment of Gucci on the real real has saved 230 metric tons of carbon and over 10 million liters of water in comparison to their standard manufacturing of those specific items. Wow. And that's from that's October. That's really interesting. That, yeah, that Gucci partnered with them because you would think secondhand high quality consignment would be a direct competitor of right. really any fashion brand. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to talk about why it's important in literally 30 seconds, but I think, so them partnering with it was also, um, it helped with like, because the real real was the first one to get called out for authentication issues, Gucci authenticated their mm. products that people were sending to the real world. They had in-house Gucci authenticators. So they knocked that like check in the box or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they knocked that one out. Um, and then I think Gucci realized their stuff was getting sold on there anyways. Their stuff's getting sold on every single platform. If they mm-hmm. authenticate it and they make it like a thing, um, people are more likely to buy it from the real real. And they would yeah. obviously get commission. Like they don't have yeah. any stake in secondhand. They don't mm-hmm. get any of that money. Um which I think is sometimes a good thing, honestly, but I think getting in on this the way that they did is really smart, but it also benefits them Yeah. at the end of the day. And if they keep it as like a, I know it's, it isn't permanent. Um, it was obviously like a, a test run. It's still up, but um, I think if they make it permanent and they figure out a way to make it work, like they're going to get a decent amount of money out of this. Yeah. Um, smart. Good marketing. <laughs> I, I like it. <laughs> good, I'm here for it. <laughs> Good job, Gucci. Um, <laughs> so I had um, three reasons why this was important. And I think they kind of, they are a little specific to Gucci, but I think they can be um, related to like the entire like luxury fashion industry in regards to secondhand. So mm-hmm. Gucci is encouraging the consignment of their items. A lot of like larger luxury houses will want you to either save it or pass it down to your family. Some of them would rather you throw it away than like, sell it or send it to the real real and sell it yeah so for example um chanel actually sued the real real in 2019 um for the resale of one of their bags that ended up being deemed fake but it was probably one of the best fakes like everyone was Mm -hmm. saying like 
we all would have missed this. Like it's it's not the real real trying to sell Chanel fakes and like tarnish the name. Like yeah, Chanel was just waiting for them to mess up so they could jump on it um, and just sue them for selling it secondhand. And this is the second point. Luxury designers consider consignment as like the cheapening of their products. And it takes away mm-hmm. from this like exclusivity factor. And I think that's why Chanel jumped on a lawsuit because that's how they felt. But you can't technically sue for that. But the second they sell a fake, you can sue and say like, you're tarnishing our brand. Like, yeah, you can't do that. Meanwhile, there were people at Chanel saying it was authentic. It was just a very good fake. <laughs> yeah. So wow. that does make I think sense. That, like, yeah. I mean, it makes sense why they would want to pres- preserve this like exclusivity. But on the other hand, it makes zero sense for environment, consumers. Like, yeah. Mind blowing. I think, I think that's like the main point. They just don't want their product to be like considered like used, not as good as it was before, cheap. Like, yeah, something that's accessible. Yeah, exactly. And then lastly, it's important because like it helped them with authentication with the Gucci partnership and then just like trust in the sellers. It also helped a lot with that. Yeah. Um, so that is all I have for this episode. I figured you would have questions and we can, I can help you with Poshmark. (laughs) I, what are your thoughts on like, so say you buy something, because I know what you do is you are very, um, with, with the times, I guess is the best way to describe it. So you will find something that is really cool, really unique, but correct me if I'm wrong. You'll wear it a couple times and then resell it. Right. Oh yeah. Like I would, I would get a prom dress and I'd list it mm-hmm. while I was at prom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'll, I'll make bigger purchases because I know they have resale value. Um, Mm -hmm. which is super hard to get our age group to conceptualize. Um, I'll throw out the example, like the Pangaea hoodies, like they are a pretty penny, but their resale value is like the same as if not more, because they do specific drops, um, as like their standard, like price, Mm -hmm. it's an expensive hoodie, but you can most likely sell it for more than you bought it for at this point. Um, yeah. So there's certain things like, and also, I said it before, investment pieces are huge. So investing in like a good pair of jeans and maybe not having to buy jeans for like a couple of years is way better than buying like a couple pairs of Urban Outfitters jeans. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's so, important too. Say, and I'm not talking about myself, but I <laughs> say I want to buy a pair of jeans and I know I, like my wardrobe is like basic nothing special it's a lot of stuff that I will wear over and over again but most of it does come from like I don't want to use what's the not not a first-hand store what is it's I was just like a store I don't know from the source a store in store purchase (laughs) so say I buy something in a store but I will wear that thing until it is like not wearable anymore because hypothetically every single piece of clothing is going to like reach its limit unless it's yeah so what are the implications of that so say I know that if I buy something in a store that I really love and I could find something that I like kind of like but maybe it's like a regular pant instead of a long but I won't wear it as frequently like what is what are the implications of that 
So I have two answers. Um, okay. And the second one I think has to do with your question about, I can't find anything on Poshmark. How do I do it? And I need help with my inseam um, is what I'm hearing. Yes. Um, the first one, like, obviously that's like, you're not making an uneducated purchase. I would say mm-hmm. like, you're clearly thinking through the life cycle of the product. Um, with that, like in my eyes, that's not the end of the world. Like I prefer if you weren't buying Shein and claiming it was going to last that long. But like, if you're buying from a place that has a little bit of a better reputation, that's not the end of the world. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you're going to wear it for like five, 10 years. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> my recommendation would be to find either someone who takes in like old textile and repurposes it mm-hmm. or donate it somewhere like a clothing drop box. Like unless it is literally like holes in it, you literally cannot wear it. Mm-hmm. It can be repurposed or used by someone who needs it. So I think unless you're like absolutely destroying your clothes, like that is always the last thing. <laughs> and what I will say about, I like this thing in store, like I can't find it online or like, what if I can't find the longs? What I do mm-hmm. is sometimes before COVID and everything, like this is how I got most of my jeans. I would go into free people. I would try on all the jeans. I would find the jeans that I liked. I would try on the sizes. I would get this. I would know my size for different brands. I would take a picture of the tag because most jeans now are like the Mindy jean. Like they have names. <laughs> and then you go home and you go on Poshmark and you type in Mindy jeans, free people. And you just go ahead and look for your size. And then that way you probably get it cheaper. Yeah. And you're also buying it secondhand not from the source but I have so many pictures on my phone of just tags from when I've been in so I was like oh I like this like take a picture and then I just go home and I find it on there no that's so smart I need to and like, there's also like <laughs> and go to the mall <laughs> and if they don't have the name on the tag there's certain I figured out how to read tags the best to read are actually Patagonia because they are like it'll be S09 like something and it stands for like spring 2009 and then the last number is a style number and you just plug that oh. into Google and it pulls up the style that it is, which it'll then have a name. Most tags might not say the name. So on free people, it's like this long number. If you just plug that into Google, it comes right up. Okay. I'm going to have yeah. to try that. No, I have another question <laughs> I've been thinking about. So what are your thoughts? I know a lot of people, um, not necessarily secondhand, like online stuff, but they'll go like thrifting. And a lot of people bring up the aspect of, like you're taking clothes from somebody who can't afford it. And like you're doing, you're shopping here as a hobby. Whereas some people are shopping here because it's all they can afford. Do you think that that is different on Poshmark or Depop? Obviously the real, real, that's like a whole different um, kind of category. But what are your thoughts on those criticisms of like brick and mortar thrift stores versus with Depop or Poshmark? I think like that's very apparent in like the Goodwill Salvation Army realm. I think within the past five years, there's been this pop-up of like niche, like curated thrift stores. So people mm-hmm. will go and take like the Harley Davidson tees out of all of the Goodwills and they'll charge 50 bucks for them in like LA. And I think mm-hmm. the people who tend to thrift for those pieces at Goodwill don't even go anymore. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those things in there will be like from eBay, like they're so curated. They come from all over the world. Um, so you're removing those kids who would normally be taking those pieces from Goodwill and funneling them over to your curated store. That being said, if they are pulling from Goodwill, I'm not going to lie. Look, looking at the Goodwill stock, like 
I think they're good on t-shirts. <laughs> yeah. I like, I think they're good. There are some items that I, I don't agree with. I don't think like shoes should necessarily be treated that way. I think shoes are like oftentimes a necessity. Um, and obviously ensuring that you're not taking every single size large or like every single blah, blah, blah of a certain number. You're not taking pieces that you feel like um, need to remain there to better someone else's life. And you're going to wear it once think it's not cool or like take a picture yeah. in it and then you're done. Um, I think t-shirts, I think we're good. <laughs> um, and I think the people making those curated stores have started to pull from other places. Um, not as much Goodwill Salvation Army, but I think the opening of those curated shops and Depop also, like the people who would normally be in those thrift stores taking things from people who need it are now just online. Yeah. Yeah. But, I would agree. Like definitely that criticism of people's behavior, I think applies a lot more to Goodwill Salvation yeah. Army, where people will just go as a hobby, but um, yeah, Poshmark. There's been quite ethical questions about like people will go to those and find t-shirts and then sell them on Depop and jack it up to like 60 bucks and people get mad. Like they know yeah. this person didn't pay $60. Um, that actually got called out on TikTok recently. <laughs> I don't know if you're on that <laughs> side of TikTok, but I was on that side of TikTok. People were like calling them the Depop girls. And it was just oh. like this like account that like had a bunch of like vintage t- vintage t-shirts that were like definitely under ten dollars. They were mm-hmm. all like hundreds of dollars. People were buying them. Yeah, but that's nuts. It's crazy. They call them the Depop girls, but like, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. it's it's like an ethical question. There's there's we don't know where they got those shirts from could just be from their dad from like the 80s in which case like it's not the end of the world like if she wants to charge 80 dollars for a dad shirt go get it <laughs> but if she's like raking through a goodwill <laughs> and then doing this it's like a little uh, yeah a little cringe. how good of a person are you <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know no, it's hard really to draw like lines in the sand with this stuff because it is so blurry when people try to turn a serious profit on them and make a living off of Harley Davidson t-shirts that's like I feel like the best example <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's so, I think it's so interesting to think about because it's like secondhand Salvation Army Goodwill like say you went and bought your wardrobe from there you're doing a good thing for the environment but say you're like a size small but you really think oversized sweatshirts look really cool. So you go yeah. and buy four oversized sweatshirts that it, it takes away the size options from people who are not wearing those as like, yeah. I don't know, because yeah. it's part of a trend. Yeah, definitely. And I, again, it, because of COVID, I feel like I haven't been in like a Goodwill in years, but like yeah. the goal <laughs> when I go in is never to de- fully deplete like a size or a section that's like Mm -hmm. don't do it um or even like a color like sometimes that also has to do with it like you need to wear a certain color to your like job Mm -hmm. um so just making sure and like sorting through that there are other options other sizes like ensuring that you're not taking all of them or the only one in the store for some cases um yeah definitely difficult to read um but I i think with the rise of secondhand people who search those stores for stuff uh are they're navigating to apps Mm -hmm. they're they're moving digital other places so and that's why they are a 25 billion dollar industry somehow (laughs) yeah genuinely (laughs) wow yeah that's nuts all right 
And that wraps up this week's episode. Thank you. Anytime. Happy to be here.